Welcome to Disruptive CEO Nation, where your host, Alison K. Summers, is searching the globe to introduce you to cutting-edge thinkers and entrepreneurs whose stories will inspire you to innovate your own business life. Having worked with and coached CEOs and senior leaders from over 90 countries, Alison is taking her own experiences to help today's CEOs and professionals meet the ever-changing demands of the future of work. Now, here's your host, Alison K. Summers. Hey, everyone. Today on Disruptive CEO Nation, we are going to head back to the UK and we are going to talk with a company founder who has been focused on this thing called the World Wide Web for quite a while and on innovation and technology that involves the internet and involves apps and involves new platforms and he's had just really quite an impressive career and is doing such innovative things today and we're going to talk about lifestyle apps and we're going to talk about what i think is the future of how we all will relate when we go shopping and so without further ado i welcome julian fisher to the show julian welcome hello thank you so julian Tell everybody what company it is that you're working on today. Okay, so the company is called GISP, um, and it's a, a marketing retail app um, with payment solutions for shopping. Um, it's been going just over four years, um, and what we do is um, we, 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 we identify and connect spaces, and the space could be a product. So everyone understands that... Um, You've got the two channels, uh, the, the web um, and shopping in the high street. Um, and what we've done is we've merged the two together. And when you uh, use your mobile phone, as we all do, you understand that you go online to get information. But when you walk into a physical store, you're actually looking at the products or engaging with some shopping, for example, getting your groceries. But what we've done is we've created the ability for that for that physical to be identified in your mobile. So we are bridging the gap between the online solution, which which is very instant, it's very quick, it's where you make a lot of decisions to buy things and look things up. And when you're in a physical store and you are trying things on or you're picking up your groceries, but we've we've managed to make it so that that connection with that physical product now becomes a digital solution when you're in a physical store and and the the, the way that is understood by a lot of people um, is this new thing called amazon go where you walk into a store um, you grab your bits and pieces that you want and you walk out and payment is automatically taken so there's a there's a use of technology that makes my life much much easier because i'm not having to queue i'm not having to you know engage with with any other mechanism other than picking up the things that i want and walking out but um uh, it's very expensive uh, to, to, to deliver and what we've done is we've uh, created almost the same solution um but at a fraction of the price and we don't use camera technology we use radar technology to do the same thing so that's really interesting and i think we've all done it right we've all gone to the store and i think of like the holiday shopping season and, and here in the u.s um you know i admit i've stood in line at best buy with things in my cart looking them up online 
and deciding to take it out of my cart and put it back on the shelf because I have now discovered I can get the exact same thing online delivered free to my home through another way. Um, and it's, it's cheaper and I'll do it for, you know, dollar, $2 difference. I, I don't care. So I think what you're doing is so relevant and you're right. We're all, we're all going to, to use it. I, I would love Julian, if, if we, you know, I want to dig deeper into the technology and how, um, an app like just is helping companies, uh, survive in the future of, um, when everything's online, but I'd love to go back because you really have an interesting background. Um, share a little bit with us about your founder's journey and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so um, my background, um, kind of entrepreneurial. Um, really, I started. Um, I was thinking about my my earliest trading um, as 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 a person was actually when I was around eight years old. So my my father worked for Coca-Cola and um, so we had Coca-Cola, Lilt and Fanta, which was the three brands that they produced. And, and, and I used to um, take the cans into school and sell them. So I, <laughs> I made you know, extra pocket money uh, for myself by, by taking in what was, I think I, I think I probably got it for free. I don't think my dad charged me any money, but I took them into school and I would sell them. And so I, I started learning that, um, I could, you know, I could sell things, um, and so my journey as a salesperson grew up, and I started small businesses, and um, I created a, a small coffee company, uh, which I then later sold to my, my 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 family company who bought it from us, um, and then I went into uh, publishing. So I published magazines. I did a contract um, business as well. This. Um, as it does for a lot of publishing companies, it stepped into the world of exhibitions and conferences. And from here, I, I launched the first internet show. Now, um, <clears throat> America um, featured quite, quite, quite significantly in that because I went to a show in, in New York um, where I discovered that you called everything booths, which was a new thing for us, um, <laughs> as opposed to a stand. <clears throat> and um, I came back to the UK and uh, with my business partner, we launched uh, Internet Live, um, the show in 94. Um, and at that time, there was not many, many companies involved in um, the Internet, but we, we got all the companies that were in the space providing Internet connection through modems. Um, and we had the BBC come down and uh, they, they, they set up their cameras and the BBC breakfast program uh, was live. Um, and the first question I was asked was, so Julian, what is this thing called the internet? Um, so this was really in the very early days of the internet. And, um, and I look back at that and think, gosh, you know, the BBC, which then went on to create some fantastic website and it's got a fantastic app. Um, and in those days, there was none of that. Um, these were the, the very, very early days um, of, of, of the internet. And, and things like Amazon, eBay, they, they, they probably were some, some, some ideas around at that time. I think they came out in 96, 95, 96. Um, but there was, there was really mostly, uh, there was notice boards and um, internet connections 
into um, to very few websites and email in those days was um, like CompuServe so you would have a number so you'd be one two three four five six seven eight nine at CompuServe.com or something like that um, so these were these were the 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 the, 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 the the early um, inventive days of, of, of trying to get people to connect to the World Wide Web, as it was called, which then uh, the, the phrase became surfing. So if you remember the word yeah. surfing, I, I, I certainly remember surfing. Um, and, and, and then, of course, this then started, we started to see some early moves towards um, Nokia, creating um, better browser capabilities in their mobile phones so i i then actually started a business delivering uh what we called quick information so it was called quickie and 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 it was um uh, the, the 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 catchphrase i hope it doesn't offend people was do you fancy a quickie um because quickie was a tiny bit of information which could be sent very easily as a packet uh, not only because internet was you know, being on the internet and, and, and surfing was expensive in those days so we're talking about the early 2000 um but equally um connectivity was 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 also very difficult so you you might get a connection or you might not so we needed to send a small amount of information very very quickly um and so we we had thousands of writers adding lots and lots of information in tiny bite-sized bits, which you would then be able to read on, on your way to work. Um, and um, that business I eventually sold. Um, and after a few other um, starts and fails, and, and as the usual thing of an entrepreneur, um, eventually came round to, to starting GISP. Which, is, which has been, uh, without question, the most exciting project uh, that I, I, I have in my arsenal projects and throughout my life. And, you know, I love when we talk to, um, as yourself, lifelong entrepreneurs, um, I always envision, you know, families going, what are you doing now? What, what are you taking on? You know, wait, mm. that was good. Why are we moving to the next thing? Um, but we're glad you did because I think GISP is, is fascinating. And I know in the opening we talked about for a shopping application, but I know there's a lot of other applications, event applications and so on. And, and you have these things called stickers. So um, help our listeners understand just kind of uh, sure. the wider variety of applications because to me that's what's fascinating about just and the technology that you're developing yeah so the way to understand is is that you you've got your mobile phone you've got your tablet or your computer and you're going to a link or you're going via a, a, um, a search engine and you're a, you're finding a, a location where a page of information is available uh, um, it could contain just static images, it can contain video, it can contain a game, whatever, whatever it is. But in order to find that, you, you need to have a, um, a connection to that page of information. So what we do is um, uh, we use NFC, we use QR codes, and we use image recognition. So that these are the triggers um, that when you engage as a consumer or as a business, you're either tapping it or you're photographing it. So if it's an image or if it's a QR code, it basically is that shortcut link 
to the product or to the service that you're interested in. And that's the connection. Um, we used to use beacons, but beacons is, is too um, impersonal and, and they broadcast and, and they, they, they zap up um, battery in, in mobile. So we've, we've moved away from beacons. And actually now, because as a consumer, I want to receive that information, I'm either tapping on it because it's NFC, near field communication, same uh, technology that you will find in most uh, debit cards, credit cards, and you take your card out and you tap a terminal and payment is taken from your card. Or the same technology is used when you use things like um, Apple Pay or Google Pay or Alipay. And you, again, with your mobile, you're asked to put your mobile near a terminal and uh, packets of information are swapped. And then based on the wallet and your card that you've placed into it, payment will be taken from that, that, um, that card. So what we're doing is we are trying to bring together and, and, and allow the consumer to have that engagement with a physical product or a physical space. And then when you do that, the world that I live in, which is my phone and the information that I am receiving all the time, the news sites I go to, the social sites I use, I want to be able to engage physically now with the world around me, but I want that information to be passed through my mobile phone because then I can capture it, I can share it, I can buy it, I can do all, all kinds of things. So as we move and progress with technology, one day I keep telling people NFC, using your camera, whatever, are just um, the methods by which we create that link to that physical product. It's an, what we call an enabler. If you came along one day and did a kind of a terminator thing and said, you know what, I've created this liquid and this liquid, you just put this little droplet on the back of my collar and then bring your phone to the product and it will then communicate that product to my mobile phone because there's something in the liquid that allows information to be picked up and, and understood by the mobile. And yeah, so I've said to people, look, NFC, beacons or any other mechanism i don't mind what that is because that's the enabler i just want to have the ability to create the bridge between the customer the client and the thing that they're interested in and that's what we do and what we then build around that is functions seamlessness frictionlessness we, we create opportunity we create gamification um, and all the time that individual is benefiting from the exchange of information and I love as you touched on on some is once you have this developed you have so many applications I know that um, you know, I always encourage my listeners to go to the websites of the guests because I think visually sometimes when you're just listening to the audio, you can't fully picture what it is that um, the product or services of our, our guests. And so Julian, I know if you go to gist.com, J-I-S-P, you can see all of these solutions that you're talking about that these this enabler lets you lets you do. And I think you know, the world is, is kind of endless with these opportunities as you've described. Um, 
to use it in event engagement, to use it, I know your, your site talks about using it in, in an education or in a learning session, or in terms of even once you can capture that data on the mobile device, it can do all sorts of things um, on, on checking in. And so I think it's, it's, it's pretty amazing, um, like you said, with the near field communications, you know, just tap here, what you can do with this. I, I want to talk more operationally than on what it took for you to develop this technology and, and the, the teams. And um, if you are operating with a full-time tech team, if you have a, a team of spread out freelancers, how, how are you developing your actual technology? Yes. Good question. Um, gosh, over, over many years, um, and how this, how this, even how this business came about, um, is quite unusual. In that I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a programmer myself. Um, I joke with my colleagues, and I have two brain cells, and one is one is working, one's resting, um, uh, just because I am literally just um, engaging other people, bringing other people with with far more talent than I have to make the ideas that I invent come to life. And um, this is where I, you know, I need uh, individuals, uh, professionals um, to come and help me uh, bring my ideas to life. And, and many, many years ago, when I first started this project, um, uh, it, the idea required um, um, a partner who would would be a programmer. So I looked and I looked and I spoke to lots of people and um, this was this was around the time when we were creating a, a marketplace with a, a shopping personal shopping engine and and I could not I could not um, for love or money literally find somebody who was prepared to join me until I eventually found this American chap um, who I'd been working with in a previous previous business and, and, and he was the tech tech genius and he said Julian um, I'll help you um and i'm based actually i live near silicon valley and i thought great well that's you know, that's where all the money is that's great so that's, that's gonna work for us really well and I, so so um so uh, he said there's only one thing he said uh, uh, i've got a project of my own and if if it takes off he said i'm i chances are i'll have to leave our you know our new relationship you know and i said oh okay well i thought well I really don't want him to succeed, you know, and I'm not like that as a person. So I really wanted him to succeed, but also didn't want him to succeed because I wanted him for our project. And so uh, six months in and he rings me and says, I'm really, really sorry, but I've managed to find the money and my investors um, can't, can't invest. In, in in it allow me to invest time in in our business <coughs> excuse me and so so i i lost this incredible guy who who really took on the project and and moved it further but he said look i i know these guys um who are offices in los angeles and all over in other countries and they're they're a programming company and they'll build you what you need so i I went to this company and I phoned, well, we went on a Skype call and, and uh, they loved the idea. And, and now what, 10 years later, not only are they our investor in the company, but they're also, um, they're also our programming team and designers. We've got 45 of them now. So the, we've grown significantly. We've got a huge department with them. 
In so it's a great the, story. So you go to a company to do the work for you and they end up being an investor and a partner in your business. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm quite convincing. Um, <laughs> so that's the, I mean, my job in the company, apart from being this, as I say, I call it the, the, the mad scientist, you know, as it were, which I'm not, but this mad inventor. Um, my job is to raise money. So I'm, I'm, my job is, is, is principally to, to, to fund the company and to keep the company um, funded so that we can grow the business and, and, and scale it because we're, we're coming into the United States soon. So we, you know, we, these things cost a lot of money. So, um, so we, we need funds from, from, from investors to grow the business and, um, and they look upon the things that I'm doing, which is to, uh, to create value and scalability, and that—that's what I do. That's my job in this business, and 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 I've been, as I say, very fortunate to put uh, around me some very very clever people, some very very um, committed individuals to the project. Um, we share, we share with um, um, uh, with our with with our team. Uh, the company so, so they, they can benefit from 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 the shares in the company um and, and we have a lot of fun and we work very hard um and and from that um we have people who who really care deeply about every part of what we do so when a project is started in the company and we've got quite a few um there's someone who I call the champion of that project and the champion of that project is the one that leads it and focuses all their efforts. And then like me, when I started the company, their job is to fight, not horribly, <laughs> not aggressively, but to fight as the champion of that project to make sure that their project is the one that is, is the one that, that shines so we've got a few champions who go around um, making sure that their project gets the time it's needed from the developers, gets the designers, gets the PR people and the marketing people backing their ideas. So they're constantly tapping on each of the departments to get them to, to spend more time with their project. And, and the good thing about that is it becomes a negotiation and each department will then work out what resources they need to be able to then work with that individual to make their project succeed. And because you've got that one champion, it's like lots of mini me's going around making sure that their project is the one that, that shines. And, and, and that's the way we do things. And it works incredibly well. So I, I, I love how you say, um, you know, one, you've talked about how you're responsible for engaging other people far, with far more talent than you. I, I appreciate that. And that, you know, you see your job is to raise money and, and scale the business and create value and that you have fun. And, and so you go to the GISP website and look at some of the, the individuals who are with the company. And then all of a sudden you get to Tessa, who is listed as your co-hounder. Um, and I'm just thinking of Tessa as a project champion. What, what is she? She just goes around and makes sure people gives her her bones, right? Her, her puppy yeah. bones. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, she, she's been with me um, throughout the whole project, um, and and um, uh, the the marketing department in particular uh, adore her. So she features quite, <laughs> quite <laughs> heavily. Yeah, I know that they're, they're not necessarily uh, everyone is 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 a, is a dog lover, but um, a lot of people do like boxer dogs. So, so <laughs> she she's, she's she does get. Um, a lot of attention and, and a lot of love um, from a lot of people who come here. So, so even those who've, who don't like dogs have come to love my dog. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> well, it, it's the fun atmosphere that we have. Yeah. Dogs and business go together if you ask me. So it's yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, exactly. And, and, and it's, and, and the nice thing is, is that um, um, she goes around the office and says hello to everybody in the morning and I'm sure that I'm sure because she's hoping to get some biscuits from them but um, but no she's she, she goes around and says hello and, and, and for, for the purpose of the company and, and, and it just lightens things up so there is there is some method to the madness yeah um, about this well, I want to go and, and we're getting close to our time and I've got a few more questions for for you in, in terms of, you said your, your, your expansion, and, and I, again, encourage people to take a look at the site and imagine the possibilities, because I'm listening to you and I'm even thinking of, you know, I have school-age children, um, junior high and, and high school, and I can even see a product application to keep them engaged in, in school, in the physicality of the school, and in, in, in the building, and um, because they totally are ready to interact in the world in a completely different way. Um, so you said that you're, you're expanding, um, coming to America, doing different things. Do you find that um, people come to you once they experience the product and look for applications? Do you have an aggressive market team going out and, and doing pitch to companies on why they should adapt your product? What's the general tone for just in getting into the market? Yeah, it's, it's a, it's it's actually quite a, a complicated market, even with all the project, um, with all the the, the facilities and features and solutions we have. Um, we are a disruptor. We are, you know, we we we're all about change, and and change can be very difficult for anybody. Even even I observe that that I, you know, I have my old ways. I've got a, a young team of individuals sometimes i make references to things and they go what's what, what what's that and and <laughs> i must remember that i'm over 50 and and these guys you know there's some of them in their early 20s so we're world apart um but we are we are we are pretty aggressive um in how we go out there but we are persistent persistence is is really key to this um I used to have, I used to employ many years ago when I was a publisher, um, a guy who was brilliant at selling classified adverts, but he was very emotional um, in his enthusiasm when he was selling. And if someone didn't buy from him, I noticed that sometimes he got quite rude. And I admonished him on this and I said, look, you know, uh, you can't do that. You just cannot do that. It's up to everyone to choose to say no. They should have the right to say no. Um, and what you what you should then do is politely thank them for the time um, don't burn the bridge and then you can come back later because there will be another time when you'll be able to talk to, to them about now's the time to reconsider their decision and maybe they'll say yes so we are very persistent in communicating backwards and forwards with with our potential marketplace and 
as difficult as sometimes it is in certainly in the United Kingdom, less so in, in, in some countries in Europe, to even get through to the right people by being in the market, by having good PR, by having good social, by by having as many booths in shows that you you can you can go into. Um, we've developed quite a reputation in the market. We people are coming to us, they're coming to it for, for advice. Um, they're then realizing at the right opportunity at the right moment for them that there is a solution they remember which is gisp and our, our plethora of services that we provide and one of them will fit and then we're able to go in and start negotiating and talking to them about what they really are looking to achieve um and, and when you're disrupting a market it, it is it is important to understand that you are you are changing sometimes everything and if you're going to change everything you are you're having to get people to understand what is the new way to do things and and for that you need them to join you in your journey of understanding um so so that whole process for some companies can take a while but you've just got to be persistent and you've got to be patient um and that patience has now paid off because we've been doing this for three or four years in in the in you know in the market actively and now we're starting to see the the uh, the, the rewards for our patients so julian um we are coming close on time and i love for people to tell a story of um a tough lesson that you learned in in business along the way um and something that's just a an an a naked lesson that was like I always joke and say, mm. you know what, in business, so you've made your first ten thousand dollar mistake. But do you have any uh, advice or, or, or wisdom for other entrepreneurs out there? Yeah, very much so. <laughs> when I when when I uh, had a business which um, uh, was in, had a VC invested in our company, and they wanted um, very suddenly they said we we want to expand our, our business out of the UK with you and and into France and into Europe. And and I at the time thought you know I haven't got any ex real experience expanding the business, and and so I decided you know the best thing for the company being being you know clever in 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 in, in voluntary. Uh, in volunteering myself to step down as the CEO, that they would find somebody to come in and, and, and have the experience to take the business into Europe. Um, so they very graciously said, oh, that's, that's wonderful. We'll, 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 we'll find somebody to take over. They didn't manage to find somebody because the VC just could not agree on who to take over. Eventually it went to one person um to, who took over and within a few weeks uh, i had left the business um and the business closed down and i'd lost many many years of, of of hard work and graft um because i with the right intentions had mistaken the fact that as this crazy person with this crazy disruptive idea um i thought that the first the most someone else who's got experience in running a business but or a company but not the business should be the one to take over completely wrong if you're going to be disruptive you've got to be the one to continue to take on and it might sound people will be listening going yeah of course that sounds <laughs> why would you be an idiot and, and step down but if you had the right intentions you're thinking someone else can come along and do the right thing for the for the company and, and a lot of the time some vcs will do that they'll they'll try and force what is their understanding of what is the right thing to do for the company not for the business and 
this is what happened to me. I, I stood down, another person stepped in, changed everything, took the passion and the focus away, decided that they knew better and the business, the business folded. Um, and I would recommend to everybody, stay focused. You're going to do things that you've never done before. You're going to, you're going to have hurdles that you've never had an experience and you're just going to have to go through them. But focus on where the journey ends. And don't worry so much about what you've got to go through to get there because from all of us, we all come into this world with no experience and we learn that experience through doing, making mistake, making success, learning from both success and failure and moving forward. And you're going to make mistakes, but just keep focused. And, I'll, and, I'll, and if there is one little bit of time left, I'll say one thing. When I talk to other entrepreneurs, I talk about the sugar cube and it's something that i've come up with which describes you will come up with this great new fancy piece of software this piece of hardware or something and i call it the sugar cube so let's say sugar cubes haven't been invented just sugar and i've come up with this great idea of creating a sugar cube because it's clean you can put them in a box you can it, it, it's, it's you can handle it easier and i take it along to these people and i say look i've created this great new thing called a sugar cube and I show it to people and they come on board and then they go, mm, actually, do you know what? If we take this uh, and change this bit here and change it, and what happens, you take the cube and you start rubbing it and, and, and little granules of sugar will fall off. And then someone else says, well, and you really ought to not be doing it that way. You should be doing it this way. And they start rubbing the other corner and the other corner. And eventually the sugar cube has dissolved into a pile of sugar. And I describe this to, 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 to prospective entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs and say, look, what's happened is my invention, the great sugar cube, has been turned into a pile of sugar. So it's failed. And it's failed because rather than push the sugar cube and keep the integrity of the sugar cube and take it all the way through, what will happen is everyone will come along and they'll be the experts and they'll turn it into a pile of sugar. Pile of sugar, we've got pile of sugar. We've got sugar. I invented the cube. But now you've turned it into a pile of sugar and there's no invention in a pile of sugar. So that's my advice is, is don't let people rub the edges off. Uh, keep focused, stay with your idea and drive it through. And if it's going to succeed, it will succeed. If it's not, it won't. It's either it's a yes or it's a no. Simple. Julian, thank you so much for sharing that, that story. And and thank you for so much for sharing, you know, your personal journey and, and talking about just with us today. I, again, it's an amazing, amazing product because of all of the applications. And, um, and I think these, if you could just make one more comment um, about the world of lifestyle apps, because I think we haven't even begun to see what these things are going to do for us in the future. Is, is that true? Yeah. So, so we, we are, um, we were privileged um, last year to, to, to be, be called a super app um, with multiple applications, multiple uses, and we're working very hard to, to increase those uses. And the difference is that there are lots of niche uh, solutions out there um, that are for one only use, for, for one time use only, um, or for one person purpose we, we we are bridging together lots of different things to make it so that you've got i i, I call it the swiss army knife you know it's just, it's, it's a knife it's, it's scissors it's, it's a nail 
brush it's 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 got a magnifying glass in it you know it's, it's everything and we we're the, we're kind of the same and what we're looking to do is 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 try and find a way to help save time and save save effort um and of course along the way save money i mean that, that that's one of the greatest things about what we do is we, we we're looking to cut corners so that you can actually save on time save on money as a business but for an individual um the most important thing to me as an individual is that i can get things done that i've never done before and i can get them done quicker and and that's a huge part of what we do with GISP. Well, thank you for sharing the story of just, if you go to just.com and you go to the about page, there's a little video of Julian and also click to his, um, his LinkedIn profile. Uh, he's just got so much wisdom and so much to offer to um, company founders and entrepreneurs. Uh, Julian, how else should they connect? Um, is just available on what's your most active social channel? Um, well, we're, we're, LinkedIn, I suppose, for the for businesses, but but we're also, I believe, we're on um, Twitter, um, and we're on uh, Facebook. So if you do any search for JISP, J-I-S-P, you'll find us. It's 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 all there. I think we've got Instagram as well. You see, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm I'm of an age where some of these social sites have come out, you know, a little past my time, really. <laughs> but but. Um, uh, we, we've got a very active team who look after these pages for us. Who knows? So you, could be, you could be number one on TikTok and not know it, right? Okay. Yeah, I, think I think they're about to do TikTok. Yeah, indeed. indeed. <laughs> your dog, your, your corporate yeah. dog is she, uh, she, probably she's a TikTok ready. star. <laughs> she's ready. She's asleep right now, actually. She's enjoying the sun. <laughs> Thank you. And for our listeners, um, if there was something in this episode that resonated with you, please uh, like it, share it, let others know um, about Julian's story and gist. And if there is an interesting, disruptive company founder or CEO that you believe we should speak with, please send me a note at connectedallisoncasesummers.com. Until then, keep your eye on the future. Julian, thanks again. And thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.